0: May God grant us the words to speak and the ears to hear that which would help us proclaim the gospel. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is the second Sunday of Advent, part of a four week journey of watchful anticipation of the coming of the Lord of preparation for the entrance of our Lord Jesus Christ, remembering his coming into the world 2,000 years ago, of preparing our hearts to receive him daily, of waiting for Jesus to come again, not of shopping and of Christmas trees, although trees are used in many of the illustrations in today's scriptures. In the Gospel, we learn of John the Baptist, as he burst on the scene in the Jordan River, the way he's introduced in Matthew. He is engaged in an extremely successful baptismal program. I don't think that would be replicated here. He wears clothing and eats the food of desert people who are poor. And he says things that are socially unacceptable. But he was aware of the time that he was living in, he had clarity about his mission that could not be denied. He knew the world was headed for a change, that someone was coming with more authority and power than he had, and that words were not enough. John challenged his hearers to, radically, to a radically different lifestyle, a different lifestyle than they had that carried them to the waters, that carried them far from the city and into the desert where he was. He insisted that they repent that they change their mindset, that they do a complete 180 and do what the kingdom of God was all about. He recognized that the natural outgrowth of a seed of faith is a life filled with fruit, like the fruit of the spirit, of love, of joy, of peace, of patience, of gentleness, of goodness, of faith, of meekness, of self-control. For John, Having an audience that simply watched was not enough. He wanted more for them than they realized. He wanted more for those who lined the riverbanks. More than resting on their heritage, he challenged them to live out the faith that that they had come to watch unfold as others were baptized. The text focuses on the Sadducees and Pharisees who came there and watched he calls them brood of vipers. And the music gave you that sense of, of the ominousness of the, his message. Brood of vipers. Imagine if I came up here and said, good morning, saints, you brood of vipers. I don't think that would go over very well. But not only was that such a deep insul- insult to call someone a snake, he didn't just call them a serpent. He called them a brood a family. He insulted their heritage. But the people who came to be baptized were not there to be insulted. There was a group there that John had baptized that had repented. These others were people of faith. They were people who, having repented, anticipated the kingdom that was to come the kingdom that was illustrated in the words of Isaiah, where the lion and the lamb lay down together, where there is a viper, an adder, but they're harmless, where the toddler can be at the den of snakes that are poisonous and not be harmed. That's a glorious kingdom. It's not like the way it is today but it's something new. It's a vision of something better. It's a vision of something glorious. It's a vision of the world, not as it is, but as it could become. It's a vision that we also hold here at All Saints, a vision of what could be. Christian stewardship enables us to grow spiritually in ways that are not only filled with joy, but also filled with faith. When my daughter was little, we used to share a biscuit. I went through some very, very difficult times at one point early in the divorce. And if my daughter was well-behaved in church, I promised her a biscuit. (laughs) A biscuit from church's fried chicken. Now, we didn't eat fried food in the house, so anything that remotely resembled fast food was going to be a great treat. So she was quite little and she would pretend to take notes in church to keep herself occupied. And when she was finished and church was over, I would take her to get a biscuit. Now what we would do is we would treasure that biscuit and take it home together. And then I would slice the biscuit in half, butter it with some honey and give it to her. But one day she surprised her mom and she broke the biscuit in half. Oh my goodness, I'm tearing up a little. (laughs) Excuse me. She surprised her mother. And she took that little biscuit that she had earned and she broke it in half. She gave it to me. I was moved then as I am now. And so I broke my half and I gave her half back. So then she broke that half and gave it back to me. Now this is a biscuit. You can imagine, by the time we finished, we had crumbs everywhere, beautiful crumbs, from a half to a quarter to an eighth to a sixteenth to just a muddle of crumbs divided on a plate. But neither one of us wanted to stop being generous with each other, no matter how much or how little we had stepping back to do the math it's clear that the person from whom the gifted treat originated always ended up with the most biscuit and the receiver could only share what had been given to her but the joy was not in who had the most the joy was the love and trust that was deepened in the process we can offer back to god only what god has given to us and in a sense That's part of the joy of stewardship. Christian stewardship enables spiritual growth that is not only in joy, but also in faith. For some of us, God may be calling us to the tithe to give 10% of our income. When I first learned about the tithe, I thought this is brilliant. It was easy and it was fair. If you had $10, you just took off the last digit and then you knew how much you were gonna give no complicated math involved. God got the first dollar, and we kept the other nine. That seemed like a pretty sweet deal to me. It's especially great for those who have struggled with math, but it teaches us to trust God more deeply, to meet the needs, to do what we have with what we have remaining, and to faithfully manage what God has given us. It was fair because the percentage was the same for everyone, the amount adjusted according to what each could offer. If you had a dime, you only needed to give a penny. If you had $100, then you gave $10. For others of us, we may have been thinking about tithing and feel called to start the journey and grow by beginning this year with seven or five percent that we are ready to respond to the call of God to start somewhere, to start this year Others of us may have tithed for years and 10% is no sacrifice for us. We may feel God is calling us to 12 or 15%. What I'm hoping to convey is that Christian stewardship helps us grow in joy, in faith, in opportunities for generosity, in the opportunity for us to share in the work of God in a loving world, to realize our vision, the dream of God for a world that's different, than what it is. As we offer our gifts to God, God transforms them and us spiritually so that we can be a blessing to the world as individuals and as a corporate unit. It's a transforming love that we have received and it allows us to transform. It involves listening to God to speak to our hearts, praying for God to guide us as we ask the spiritual question, what percentage of my income is God calling me to give. And we're going to do it in community and we're not going to do it alone. It's not an answer that I can give you. It's an answer that you are searching for in your own spirits as you listen to God, listening towards stewardship as you've listened to God in so many other ways. Listening for us is not new. This is just part of who we are. And I'm listening right alongside of you. I'm doing my best to listen, to respond, and to continue to grow. I'm nearly certain as to what percentage God is asking of me. We're still in negotiations. But God has been generous to us in the good times and in the difficult moments. It's the God who has never left us. It's that God who has entrusted each one of us with the good news of Jesus. And I'm thankful that God has given us the opportunity to honor God back with our wealth, just like my little daughter shared her biscuit, amen.